Welcome to the Long-Term Care Chronicles podcast. Much Vince for coming on to the Long-Term Care Chronicles. And before we start, can I have you just tell the listeners about yourself? Yes, my name is Vince. I'm a quadriplegic due to um, gun violence. And I have been living inside a long-term nursing care since 2012. And I'm from, I'm from New York, Newburgh, New York, actually. Okay, perfect. And thank you so much for that. And your relation in nursing center, which is on Roosevelt Island within New York City, uh, within the New York State, would you be able to tell the listeners what your life was like before the pandemic as to what a typical day would be like for you? Yeah, typical day before the pandemic, I would get up. Um, we was able to leave and pass any day out the week, as long as we was back before 9 p.m. Yeah. And if he wasn't, if something happened, of course, you can call and let him know when you'll be back. And yeah. yeah, I would go see my family. I would just be out all day and just enjoying life. And this is, thank you so much for that. And this is a, a 500 bed facility. So quite a large facility. And what was it like during the, the first month of the lockdown when the pandemic hit and when this was announced? Oh man, first month of the lockdown, it seemed like it was unreal. Like you never thought nothing like this to happen. And within the first month, you see a lot of people getting sick and them not separating the sick from the non-sick, which a lot of people got sick that didn't have to. And so what was that particular thing like when you, like for yourself in your room, was there others that were in your room and they became sick with COVID-19? How was that that for you? Yes, uh, my roommate actually caught it and it was scary because you don't know if, if you was going to catch it and then you start seeing my roommate survived it, but a lot of other ones that's is actually on my unit passed away. My gosh, my goodness, that's that's definitely hard. How do you go through something like that mentally wise? Like how do you process everything? Um, I guess just stay positive and, and pray and just hope that if you do catch it, that you survive it. Because it was like, all right, they're not separating people. A lot of, they wasn't really testing at that time, but you know, people is catching it when they're catching fevers and and can't breathe and on oxygen and they were sending them out to the hospitals at the last minute because the hospitals was full. So yeah, like it, it just caused a lot of, headache and frustration and just had to stay strong and just keep your mind try to keep your mind off of it but it was very hard for that yes and then after you know while the pandemic was going on 
you mentioned that there wasn't in the first month or so um, testing. Did that eventually come about where they would test uh, residents and what was the procedure for that? Yes, when they finally tested residents, I could say we were about two, two and a half months into the quarantine. And you know, they would come through, they was only testing people with symptoms. So, you know, they would swab them and then it seemed like everybody that they swab was positive. Then at that time, they still wouldn't separate people. Wow, that's kind of, you know, as I said, a very precarious situation. And then what would happen? I, I know that, you know, with staff, how were how was that working out in terms of were there a lot of staff? Were there, you know, shortages that you experienced? Like how was it that residents were being cared for during this time as well? Yeah, they they was very short staff. Um Thank God they had started like having travel nurses because they did what well, they say they built another part of built onto the hospital. If you ask them this, what they would tell you to bring COVID patients from the outside into the nursing home, which they totally lied about that. I mean, they was one floor above me and then on the other side of the hospital they was over there also but they had a lot of agency nurses that that came to help from different states and was that uh you know did that make it full staff available to have those outside sources come in it didn't make it a full staff but it made they made it very helpful because they, they was polite they was willing to help you with anything you needed you know so they made it they made it a little more comfortable than it was but they, it didn't I wouldn't say failed the staff yeah and then you know uh, you know there was the lockdown it happened for you know in your case it was a year is that correct Yes, it was a little over a year. Okay. I say a year and like two months. I mean, oh, wow. yeah. This week is the, they just started letting us, letting a few like vaccinated residents go outside on their own and being able to get a pass. And that is just on the facility itself, just on the grounds, but not going out into the city. Is that correct? No, if you're vaccinated, they, they allow you to get a pass until 9 p.m. so then you can go into the city. Like this okay. is part of this week, but so it's not too many residents that's they're really letting out at one time and just going slowly. Okay. And then during you know, during that whole year and a almost a little over a year, did you have much communication with your family during the time? by phone or FaceTime, that's it. And were they, uh, you know, provided updates as to what was happening at Kohler or there was just none only when they talked with fam with, with yourself? Nah, it was, it was a little bit, of, it was, wasn't much of communication between residents and administration or people's families. 
Okay. And I think, so during this, you know, the pandemic, you created this group, um, Nursing Home Lives Matter. And why did you feel it was important that these facilities, that residents and um, staff member have their voices heard and be recognized? Yeah, because it's like the whole time we were speaking out about what was going on, why aren't you separating us? Why are y'all being told that treat everyone as if they had it? And it's like it was wrong. Like and then you complaining about certain things and no one was paying attention, no one was listening until um some travel nurses went to the newspaper and spoke on situations that was going on. And then that's when they want to start separating people and but we've been speaking this whole time and no one was doing anything. And I felt like like it had to stop, like the way they they treat residents in their zones, period. Like they have no voice. Like it's their last stop. Like coming to a nurse home is their last stop. So they have no rights. They have no voice. I felt like it just just needed to be spoke on and needed to be stopped. Yes, exactly. And can you just talk a little bit more on other items that they didn't recognize? Like, what did you bring up to the attention of the administrators that they just did not listen? Yeah, about um, short staffing and the PPE, shortage of PPE. Yeah, and, and the simple fact of people is catching it and it didn't have to, all you had to do was separate people. But like they're treating us like secondhand citizens, you know, like, like we have no right to law. Exactly. Yeah, thank you. And then what have you been doing in terms of protesting to get the message out during this time? Yes, I've been reaching out to newspapers, um, the news. Um, we had our first protest we actually had in front of the hospital demanding that they don't bring COVID patients back into the hospital home. Like, why would you bring COVID patients into a place where there's already nothing but vulnerable people? Yeah. And that, I can say, they it became like on the news and everything that protest, and they um the H and H that's in charge of the nursing home. Like it's in charge of a few long term nursing homes in New York City plus some hospitals. So they came up with a statement that they weren't going to do it after that, and then another like gathering we had was a visual because I feel like all the people that died inside this nursing home and other nursing homes, they weren't, you know, they like they they names weren't respected, like they wasn't honored in the right way. Yeah. We had we had a twilight visual which a few um like Congressman Maloney, Congresswoman Maloney she came out and spoke, the Manhattan Girl President came out and spoke. And the community, uh, community has been a great help this whole yes. year by 
advocating for us and helping us advocate. Thank you. And you're, you mentioned as well the fact that there was transfers from hospital to Kohler. Is that correct? And that that uh, you know it took the media attention for that to stop. Yeah, yeah. Because when we when they was first talking about doing it, we wrote a letter to the to the mayor's office, and they said they it wasn't bringing COVID patients. They were sending patients that wasn't positive free up beds for COVID patients, which that became a lie. Because it was a hundred, they brought in a hundred and I think like 20 residents from the hospital that was positive. And they, they lied about the, the death count inside nursing homes. Like at the time they were saying there was only six people that died inside it. And I can count 10 on my unit alone. Wow. In these units, and he had two refrigerated trucks out back. But how could you say only six people died? Well, that's yeah, you know, to that type of misinformation is just not good. And you're right to respect the lives that have lived. And you mentioned that you had the the twilight visual back in March of this year. Can you speak a little bit more to that, please? Yes. We had the twilight visual. I had to go above and beyond just to get us to be able to attend, a few of us to be able to attend just to go out front of the building. And so they agreed, they let us go out. And we did the twilight visual, like I said, a few um, congresswomen spoke, the Manhattan Boroughs president spoke, who has been supporting us this whole time. Yeah. Supplying us with PPE and everything, and um, after the, the visual, we did a walk around on the side of the hospital, and did like a a, a lighting on the building that basically had the um isolation kills and nursing home lives matter like a like a big spotlight we put on yeah. the building and. It was a nice, nice turnout, better than I thought it would be. And yeah, and with our work, it didn't happen right away. Yes. But our voices just finally started to be heard. No, and that's, that's great that it was a good turnout and well supported um, by your elected officials. And so what are you now working towards to, to further get that message out? Yeah, right now we're working on the, the way they quarantine us, the way DOH doesn't follow CDC guidelines. CDC will come out with a guideline that's pertaining to a nursing home and it takes a while for DOH to even follow that guideline. And the way they're locking these units down, like if a nurse test is positive, they lock the whole unit down and it's nothing but nurses testing positive here, and a lot of them are refusing to take the vaccine and it's like it falls on us because well, now they just now changed the visitation guideline yeah but before we had to go 14 days and they never reached that point it can be the 13th day and 
somebody had tested positive and it started all over a whole year. You know, we wasn't able to see our families or nothing. Yes. It's because nurses was testing positive. It wasn't the residents because we weren't going anywhere. If a resident got affected, it had to be from a nurse. Exactly. And you said that, so basically every resident right now in Ad Kohler has been vaccinated. I say um, out of, um, I think, 500 residents, they, I think they said it, it's, it, it's on a, um, I forgot the rating, but a lot, yeah, a lot, a lot of them is vaccinated. So the major, a good majority has been vaccinated. And so you were mentioning that if a nurse, if a staff member tested positive, you guys were then locked down for 14 days. And if during that 14 days, another staff member, it restarted again for the 14 days. Is that correct? Correct. Wow. Wow. So, I mean, I know you can't really speak to, you know, the, the staff as to, you know, why they're not all vaccinated but it does pose a lot of problems is that one of the things that you are now talking towards to bring attention towards yes definitely yeah i can imagine because it if you're so right now does your um your you said that your family are they able to come on into the building and visit or just it's just an outside or you go and visit but right now since the guidelines have changed, you can have a visit at any time. What can our listeners do to support your group in your initiatives that you have ongoing? Follow us. Follow mm-hmm. us on the um, Instagram. Follow the website. You always see what type of events we're doing around this own lives matter. And just help us continue to advocate and we're actually um, in the works of making a documentary called Fire, yes. Fire Through Dry Grass. It's a documentary of basically what we went through for that whole year. And that's, that's You want to, to, to say um, about your group and just so further let our listeners know as to what is going on? I'm sorry, say that again. Is there anything else that you wanted our listeners to, to know? Um, yes, basically, you know, nursing home lives matter and we're not going to give up until we treat it with respect. And not only in this nursing, there's homes all over the country. Yeah. And that's what we're fighting for. Perfect. So I just wanted to thank you, Vince, for coming on to the Long-Term Care Chronicles and sharing your story. And again, just wanted to thank you for your time. Thank you so much. Okay, thank you. Thank you.